streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Monday, February 22nd, 2021. I am Dave Biddle. I am joined by Steve Hellwagon. Steve, let's start out with when spring football is going to start for Ohio State. I don't believe we have an official date yet. We're looking at somewhere mid-March as far as the start of Ohio State spring ball. Is that right, my friend? Yes, that's what it sounds like. Sounds like they want to condense this into four weeks. There is no spring break for Ohio State this year because of the COVID scheduling. They're doing 15 straight weeks, I guess, for the semester and then exams. So uh, really in the past, they've done one week of spring ball and then taken the week off for spring break and then come back and done four weeks of practices. So they'll have 15 practices in four weeks, uh, roughly three or four a week. And the spring game will, although it's not really been set yet, will be in mid-April as well. So uh, four weeks and it looks like – That's the plan. They haven't announced anything yet, and we don't know anything about fans at the spring game. I know that's obviously the next big question, but uh, really that's kind of immaterial at this point, given everything we've been through. Uh, You just hope that maybe we have some advances to where they're able to have limited capacity or perhaps even full capacity in the fall, but uh, that's still a long ways off. We're just still here in – mid to late February right now. So it's still a little bit early to make any kind of conjecture, but uh, looks like there'll be a 2021 season as scheduled and uh, none of this waiting around till late October to start. Uh, they're going to practice uh, in, in uh, mid-March to mid-April, just like uh, usual on spring practice. Yeah. You answered my next question about, you know, fans at the spring game. I was going to tell everybody, we don't know what's going on with that yet, but if I'm guessing, even if the numbers continue to get better as far as COVID, which they're definitely getting a lot better, I still don't see Ohio State having fans at the spring game. I hope I'm wrong. That'd be great. I do want to look ahead to the season before we look at actual spring storylines. I'm going to look ahead to the season as far as fans are concerned. I see no reason why they can't do what the Super Bowl did or what, what even what the NFL did late in the season where you were having like up to 12,000 fans at games. The Super Bowl had like 25,000 fans. Again, as long as the numbers get better, and maybe we'll be able to have full capacity. The NFL, to my knowledge, had zero issues, Steve. Everybody's social distance, everybody's masked up. And again, the Super Bowl, I think, had 25,000 people in Tampa. So hopefully, when we're looking ahead to the season, I think we're going to have fans in the stands in 2021. Yeah, you hope so. You hope it's as close to normal as possible. I think a lot of it's dependent on uh, the vaccine rollout and uh, within our society. And, and I saw a stat that uh, between 10 and 15% of Ohioans have already been vaccinated. And I took that as a good sign, just uh, maybe a month, a month and a half into the vaccination. So I know that a lot of emphasis was put on first responders, medical personnel, uh, teachers, and then 
uh, elderly. So as they drop that age down, you know, going forward, I'm, I'm in my 50s. I'm hoping to have it here in the next few weeks. So uh, whenever that may be. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just counting the days down to whenever I can go get it. But uh, at any rate, uh, just keep a good thought and uh, just know that it sounds like football is going to go off without a hitch, at least on the field for 2021. Yeah, it's looking good for sure. Again, though, I seriously doubt we're going to have fans in the stands for the spring game. We shall see. All right, main storylines for spring. I, I think there are four of them. Taking scheme out of the equation, I think defensive scheme is a big storyline too. But just looking at personnel, I think there's two on the offensive side of the ball and two on defense I'll be paying close attention to. Quarterback, running back, linebacker, cornerback. Let's start with offense. Let's start with quarterback. How do you see this shaking out with C.J. Stroud, Jack Miller, and Kyle McCord? I don't think we'll have an answer at the end of spring practice because there's no reason to have an answer. It could be apparent on the field. One of them could go out, let's say, in a public spring game setting that may be televised by Big Ten Network and just light everybody up and say, oh, that's our guy. But again, the coaches will look at the full 15 days of spring practice and, and have their thoughts on that. And then the guys will work all summer long with the wide receivers to build that rapport. So, you know, we'll have to wait and see how that all goes. But uh, I'm, I'm of a mind that it will not be decided probably until about 10 days, week to 10 days before uh, that first game at Minnesota on a Thursday in uh, late August, I guess, is when that'll be. So uh, my feeling is that that's going to be uh, – to be determined. But I, again, I can't handicap the race because I've hardly seen any of these guys ever do anything. I mean, other than watching them throw during warmups before games, I mean, we've never seen Stroud or Miller do anything at Ohio state. I mean, Miller ran for a touchdown and mop up action in one game and Stroud never got to throw a pass. So neither of them did. So um, it's kind of uh, sight unseen. Every, every bit of spring practice we're going to get to see is something we're going to cherish, I'm sure, uh, this spring, and, and we don't know how much of it that'll be. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, we got to see them run a little bit is what we got to see out of Jack Miller and C.J. Stroud. Stroud had the long touchdown run against Michigan State. Yeah, that was one of the many disappointing things about the season being cut so short is you didn't have those cakewalk games where you're going to have extended playing time for young players, those were just, you know, those games were wiped off the board, unfortunately. And some of the games that should have been blowouts were not blowouts, like Rutgers. Michigan State was one of the few exceptions where Ohio State just took care of business and just blew the doors off of a team. And that was a game where they were depleted. Ohio State had, you know, most of their offensive line out that game. All right. Um, and real quick on quarterback. I, I'm on record. I think it's going to be C.J. Stroud, but it won't surprise me if it's any of those guys. I mean, Kyle McCord was just – he was won the National Player of the Year award in high school football. I mean, that's how good Kyle McCord is. And he was handpicked by Ryan Day and Jack Miller – uh, is another talented kid. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if any of those three young men win the job. I'm on record saying I think it'll be C.J. Stroud. And I completely agree with you, Steve. There's no way Ryan Day is going to tell us who the quarterback is after spring. Ryan Day might know. I bet he will know, but we won't know. <laughs> he will yeah. know, but we won't know. Um, all right, running back. Again, how do you see this? Not necessarily after spring. How do you see this shaking out when the season begins? Do you think Travion Henderson has a legit chance of being the next J.K. Dobbins who comes right in and, and wins the job as a freshman. Do you think it's going to be running back by committee? Do you think it's going to be Master Teague, maybe Mayan Williams, Marcus Crowley, Steel Chambers? How do you see this shaking out? Oh, that's crazy. Uh, Master Teague's got the inside track, I think. If he's healthy, he's their number one guy. I don't doubt that. And it's because of his durability, 
his ability to pass protect as needed and, uh, you know, just, just the intangibles, I think, as an upperclassman. But that isn't to say that a true freshman can't come in and take some carries and, and really impress people. And so uh, Mayan Williams was a great changeup as a bullish type uh, power runner last year. He kind of jumped to the head of the line among the backups uh, after you got through the co-starters, who I kind of considered the co-starters, Trey Sermon and Master Teague. Uh, you know, we all know how that whole thing kind of shook out with Teague getting injured and then missing a game because of a concussion and Teague having to come back and play against Alabama when Sermon was uh, dinged up on the first play. And so, uh, you know, I'm of an opinion that uh, this is a, an embarrassment of riches for Ohio State at running back. I mean, if, when have you ever been five or six deep of guys that you think can all do something and uh, really bring something to the table. We haven't really seen a lot of Crowley and Chambers kind of been in and out of the lineup and different things. And uh, maybe this spring will give the, those guys a chance to show what they can do as well. But uh, to me, I think it's Teague, at least at the start, his job to lose. And then when they get into the season, and if one of these freshmen, let's say Travion Henderson is the one with the most buzz around him, pops off like a 60-yard run or something like that, and the, and the offense uh, really starts to take off, then uh, maybe somebody steals that job at midseason. But I think it's Teague's job to lose at this point. Let's turn to the defensive side of the ball. Linebacker, Ohio State replacing four linebackers that were there for 10 years. Uh, each combined 40 years of Justin Hilliard and Pete Werner and Tuff Borland and Baron Browning. Just a slight exaggeration there. But I really like the talent of the guys they have coming back. Inexperienced, but not all that young. I mean, three of the guys are going to be fourth-year players. And Taraja Mitchell, Dallas Gant. Kayvon Pope. It seemed like Pope got in the doghouse a little bit last year. We'll see if he can work his way out of there. Because I, I, Before last year, I was hearing good things about him. Gant played a decent amount last year. I've always been high on Mitchell, but he hasn't played that much. Craig Young, uh, he'll be a third-year guy. I've heard nice things about him. Uh, I've heard nice things about Cody Simon and Mitchell Melton, who will be second-year players. Reed Carrico will be a true freshman. How do, you, how do you see things shaking out at linebacker, Steve? Well, uh, Tommy Eichenberg is another guy that, that yeah. uh, is in that mix as well. Uh, Dallas Gantt is probably the guy of all those guys who's played the most on defense and has done some nice things. Craig Young subbed in this past year at an outside linebacker spot, was pretty good. I think it's kind of hard to handicap uh, that because you just don't know what Al Washington is thinking and how he perceives those guys. I agree that Pope was a guy – who kind of took a bit of a backseat uh, this past year, and Craig Young may have moved past him. And then you've got those young guys who are, who are really uh, hungry to play, like Simon and Melton and Eichenberg. And uh, you've got uh, Reed Carrico, who's coming in from Ironton, uh, you know, did a great job and has already gotten some acclaim in the winter program as a guy who's working hard. So I it is a weakness, I think, of the defense right now, the linebacker position, but it could turn into a strength. It just, it's an unknown. I think it's just, it's X and the X, you know, you say the X factor, the unknown. I mean, we just don't know uh, what, uh, what the linebackers are going to bring and uh, whether it's going to bring about a scheme change. Are they only going to play a four, two, five, or, you know, what, what could happen? I mean, you just don't know. And I'd look at it right now that uh, they're going to go into the spring as an open book. Everybody, it's kind of like the quarterback position. Everybody will get similar type of reps. 
and the best players are going to play. And uh, Al Washington turned down the Tennessee assistant coaching job to be defensive coordinator there, it sounds like. And uh, he's staying at Ohio State. And obviously, uh, Ryan Day, Kerry Combs will be leaning on him heavily uh, to give them three great linebackers for uh, every game this year. Give, give us your best. And, uh, you know, let's put together a scheme that accentuates what those guys do. All right, corner. I find corner extremely interesting. Um, Seven Banks does return. I expect big things out of him as a senior, second-year starter. A lot of times it clicks for corners in their second year as a starter, especially with him being a veteran. I think Seven Banks is going to have a big year. Cam Brown, I like him, but he's coming off an Achilles injury. That is a tough injury to come back from, and we've, we've seen a lot of that at Ohio State with tough Borland and Justin Hilliard, I believe, had one too. I feel like I'm leaving – oh, Master Teague. I knew I was leaving somebody out. So, But those are tough injuries to really come back from, especially at a position like corner and be as explosive as you once you know, were. So, you know, Cam Brown was a guy, Steve, that was running legit four threes, they were saying. He was running mid four threes. He's one of the fastest guys on the team. Some were saying he was the fastest guy on the team. So I don't know if that's going to be true after an Achilles injury. Hopefully it will be. Um, Tyreek Johnson is a guy, Steve, that came in with five-star accolades. He's been a huge disappointment. Uh, maybe it'll click for him as a fourth-year guy this year. I don't know. Then the other guys are extremely young. Legend Cavastos, Ryan Watts. They're going to have a really talented trio of freshmen uh, with Ja'Kalen Johnson and Jordan Hancock and Denzel Burke. Um, how do you uh, see things going at corner this year for the Buckeyes? Well, they got a lot of bodies, and that's good. I think what hurt them last year, obviously, was there was no spring football. There was no summer uh, program, obviously, uh, or, or truncated summer program, and no true preseason camp. I mean, they were already in class, so they were only practicing a couple hours a day and didn't have a regular preseason camp. So, um, to me, that really kind of hurt what the corners were able to do last year. They lose Sean Wade. They've got seven banks coming back. Doesn't seem to me like Cameron Brown will be there this spring because of the Achilles. That happened uh, basically October the 31st, and we've seen a six- to eight-month recovery, and there is no reason, no thought in my mind that after five months or whatever, he would be out there practicing in mid-March. So I think that uh, more than likely he'll be on the side doing rehab or back at the training room or wherever you know, trying to trying to get back to full go. That'll be his plight this spring and in, even in probably the early summer. But I think he can affect the bottom line in the fall because I think he's got some talent and some experience. So I would look for him to kind of jump, you know, jump into that mix uh, in preseason camp. And uh, certainly the the coaches there, Matt Barnes, Kerry Combs, uh, they will they'll be looking for him to uh, to to get in there and be a part of that. So um, beyond that, uh, intriguing guys, uh, Ryan Watts, Legend Cavazos. Uh, Watts got to play a little bit uh, this past year. I think it'll be interesting to see if if he gets a shot. Uh, you know, I agree with your list. I think it's time for Tyreek Johnson to, to participate and get something done. Still haven't seen much of him now three years into this. And, uh, you know, maybe one of those freshmen, the, the, the guys they've recruited uh, are all, you know, top ranked guys. And it's possible one of those guys moves right to the top of the list past some of these guys that uh, maybe weren't ranked quite as highly. So, uh, going to be a great competition, I know that, and I don't have any doubt. Uh, Kerry Combs, given a full off season, 
Matt Barnes, a full off season. I think they'll come up with uh, three really good corners for Ohio State. And, uh, you know, to attach names to it on February 22nd, hard to do. But uh, I have faith that they're going to come up with uh, those players. I do as well. I think they're going to end up uh, being maybe better than people think at corner um, this season, especially if, if Seven Banks steps up as that number one corner, like I think he will. I like um, some of the depth they have there. A guy like Legend Cavazos, we were hearing good things about him until he banged up his knee. Uh, another guy that would have been able to play, um, you know, if the season was longer and once he got to be healthy. But, um, you know, by the time he was healthy, they're playing like Alabama and Clemson. Um, I left out Marcus Williamson. The producer in my ear told me that, the producer being the, the little voice in my head. I left out Marcus Williamson when talking about the corners. I also left out, I believe, Evan Pryor when I was talking about the running backs. He's another guy, comes in all-purpose back, but he's going to be a running back at Ohio State. So Evan Pryor is another guy um, I should have mentioned at running back and Marcus Williamson at corner. All right, finishing the show with some Ohio State basketball. If you don't care about Ohio State basketball, it's been great talking to you. Thanks for tuning in. Steve and I are going to finish the show talking some OSU hoops. Tough loss yesterday, but man, what a game. I'm just sitting there in awe that first half. And Ohio State loses 92-87 to 87 against that team up north. But man, that was some high-quality basketball. The number three and number four team in the nation going at it. And I tell you what, it's too bad Ohio State finished on the losing end there, Steve. But uh, that was a great game. In the grand scheme, that's not going to hurt Ohio State much. If they take care of business down the stretch, they're still going to be a number one seed. And even if they're a number two seed, you know, that this I really like this Ohio State team. But tough loss yesterday. What what do you think was the biggest issue yesterday? Well, it was a phenomenal game. The first 38 minutes, they basically just stood in the center of the ring and threw punches at one another for 38 minutes until somebody <laughs> blinked. And yep. finally, somebody definitely blinked, and his name was Justice Suing. He threw that ill-fated uh, behind-the-back pass to nowhere. And uh, the only person who saw it was Isaiah Livers from Michigan. And he swooped in, took it the other way, and then suing uh, compounded matters by not uh, taking Livers out on the play and, and allowing him to make the basket and, uh, and uh, draw the foul. And uh, from that point on, it was a three-point game, and that made it six. The only time it was a one-possession game after that was after Dwayne Washington hit that desperation three with like uh, 3.5 seconds left, something like that. So they were never really in the game after that play, which is unfortunate because they had played uh, really dead even with Michigan for 38 minutes and then just kind of uh, spit the bit at the end, made one mistake, and Michigan made them pay for it. Now, first half, the defense was very much lacking. Michigan hit 10 of 13 three-pointers and then hit their first one to start the second half and was 11 of 14 on threes at one point. Then they kind of went cold after that. I think they missed their next nine after that, but that helped keep Ohio State in the game. But uh, Michigan would not have been in this game at halftime if they hadn't hit uh, 10 of 13 threes. I mean, they were uh, just on fire, and it was a case where Ohio State uh, was having problems locating the shooters in a case where Michigan had some guys who played above their head. I mean, their three guards, I put this on Twitter and on the message board, uh, Brooks, who I uh, think is the, uh, the Keenan Thompson lookalike, uh, he was averaging eight points a game. Mark, Mike Smith was averaging eight points a game. And Chondi Brown was averaging about eight points a game. The three of them combined 25 points per game coming in. They combined for 37 points. And that's a 12-point uh, above-average uh, performance for those guys, and that's that was huge. Obviously, then in the second half, when they cooled off on the three-point line, 
it was the center, Hunter Dickinson, who I think everybody was uh, scared of, who, who bears a striking resemblance to our friend David Briggs, the columnist uh, from the Toledo Blade. Who is I was going to say they're about the same height, too. About the same height, too. Yes. Hunter Dickinson had a um, almost an out-of-body experience in the second half. He had 16 points of his 22 in the second half, nine rebounds. And Kyle Young and EJ Liddell just really struggled. And, of course, you know, again, 6'7", 6'8", going against the 7'1 guy. Uh, he can just see right over them and, and was flipping the hook shot in and everything. So had a couple nasty dunks, too. They found him. A couple times the game got a little scattery, and, and Michigan – when in doubt, just throw it up for the big guy. And uh, he uh, caught it and dunked it a couple of times. And Ohio State couldn't do anything about it because they don't have a rim protector. Even a Caleb, Caleb Wesson would have done pretty good to, to keep him away from the rim a little bit with his uh, size and girth had he been there. But, uh, again, another game where they just missed that presence. It happened against Minnesota with Liam Robbins. It happened twice with Purdue with Travion Williams. And now a fourth loss basically predicated because you didn't have the uh, 6'10", 6'11", rim protector. And, uh, you know, if this, again, kind of caught in a situation with Caleb Wesson going to the pros and and recruiting foibles that have happened, Ibrahim Dallo, 6'10", 6'11", out with a knee injury. Could he have helped? You know, he's still a little bit raw, but uh, – those three things, the turnover at the end, the threes they gave up in the first half, and Dickinson in the second half, uh, those were the three things in my mind that really turned this game. Uh, kudos to Dwayne Washington, Jr., 30 points. He was 12 of 18 from the field and had uh, 30 points on 18 shots. That's, uh, that's pretty economical in my way of thinking, especially when you hit two-thirds of your shots from the floor and uh, was very good behind the arc. And EJ Liddell, 23 points, and he lured Dickinson out of the paint, hit three pointers over him. And then when he got him out of the paint, was able to drive around him and, and get a couple uh, buckets around the, the rim. So uh, those two guys stood on their head. CJ Walker played pretty well. A little bit of a no show game, though, for Justin Arns. He was held scoreless. First time he's played 10 minutes or more and not scored a point this year. Uh, fourth time he's been scoreless, but the other ones he only played a few minutes. And then just assuming, uh, I made a comment in uh, one of our threads that they came out with an announcement at halftime that there was an all-points bulletin for just assuing because he uh, no-showed in the first half. He had a three-point play in the second half. It looked like he had a steal early in the second half. looked like, oh, he's going to be engaged. But uh, that play at the end of the game, that was, uh, that was uh, no bueno, as they say. And then uh, – Kyle Young, kind of a tough game for him, and uh, Zed Key didn't get much uh, accomplished either, and uh, where I thought Ohio State's depth and bench would be the difference, it was Michigan's depth and their bench that uh, won it for them, so hats off to Michigan, you hope we get to see it again, possibly in Indianapolis in a semifinal or championship game of the Big Ten tournament, or potentially maybe again in the Final Four uh, somewhere down the line, but uh, a lot of basketball yet to be played. That's right. Great stuff from Steve Hellwagon. We covered a lot of ground on today's show. Thank you very much, Steve. Thank you to all of the listeners for tuning in. We appreciate that very much. Have a great day, Bucknutters.
world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Ha! Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles. Now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes!